this podcast, Scott Kramer talks about the fabric of future HR. So stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Jobs of Future podcast. Today we have with us Scott Kramer. Um, he's a senior um, HR executive with over 30 years of progressive experience in line management and human resource leadership. Demonstrated success in translating business strategies, designing, implementing value-based multi-domain HR initiative focused on performance, organizational development, workforce planning, cultural turnaround initiatives within corporate healthcare, e-commerce, manufacturing environment, a hands-on result-oriented leader who leverages business metrics, employee performance, uh, and management accountability in maximizing business results. Um, uh, he is, uh, and, and his expertise is, is in key, key HR data metrics, uh, the importance of data in HR, the story data can tell, and how it can impact the data dashboard, uh, creating HR dashboards, importance of HRIS, and application, applicant uh, tracking systems, how technology has changed HR. So with that, um, Scott, we are uh, really glad to have you on our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Beautiful. So I think um, uh, we were talking uh, just before this session that uh, one thing that was I was very excited about uh, when, when I was um, picking your profile was your uh, depth of expertise in HR. Uh, you have been an HR veteran for quite a while. And, and then your focus um, in getting into fixing one of the one of the I would say extremely critical component that has a stake in jobs of future like fixing kids or fixing the education for kids so why don't you walk us through your journey um, of what what brings you here what brought you here I've been doing this for um, I've been doing this for about 30 years um, Got my undergraduate degree from Rowan University and MBA from Rutgers University. Um, I also taught uh, human resources and labor relations at Rowan University for about eight years, which was uh, very much enjoyed that. And that was um, my extent of my experience in, in, in education. Uh, you know, do a series of, uh, you know, it happens in the corporate side a lot, acquisitions, mergers. Um, found myself looking for a job about two years ago. Mm. and had the opportunity to get into education and I've been here for about two years and it's a fantastic organization. Interesting. So tell us what's your current role and, and what it is like, uh, if you can walk us through that. Sure. So I'm responsible. I have a team of uh, three people and we're responsible for all of the, all of the hiring, um, all of the benefits administration, tech, uh, HR technology, HR data, um, and working with each of the CEOs at each of the schools, working with the teachers, uh, training. So really it runs the, the whole gamut of HR, uh, employment engagement, you know, um, teacher engagement. Um, so whatever we, could, whatever we could do to, you know, it's the, really the full range of talent management services. And up to two years, two years ago, there was no HR department. So we centralized HR about two years ago when I joined the team, and it's been a, a two-year journey to get from uh, having all four schools doing their own recruiting to having one applicant tracking system and everything coming out of my office. Interesting. Uh, fascinating. So while we're, I think that could be a very interesting segue uh, into the, the very element of data. So I think you talk about applicant, applicant tracking system. So not having versus having. 
so what are some of the transformation that you have seen uh, that what are like what i'm trying to uh, ask is how would this tool impact uh, the recruiting process in an organization we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast oh it's it's the the impact's tremendous and and I'll you know pre the applicant tracking system everything was done over email mm. emails lost um you know uh, a, a principal might not have seen an email so now we had schools competing for the same candidates so now everything is centralized and everything is done inside the system so we could run reports on time to hire mm. um uh another important piece is you know uh where the candidates are coming from are they coming from indeed are they coming from linkedin are they coming from a specific university um turnover um we you know we the which a great feature now is all of our offer letters are electronic hmm. so this proves it it goes out uh employee signs electronically and it comes back into it also cuts down on the time to hire which is another really important important metric in hr especially with the teacher shortage that there is cuz certain teachers could be getting four and five offers mm. so if you know, we got to be first to the you know we got to get our stuff out there before anybody else does interesting and and typically um if so how big a company should be to appreciate the the, the applicant tracking system uh, so, so in, in my anybody that's looking at over you know, uh, any organization that has 10 to 15 openings or 100 plus employees should absolutely have an applicant tracking system. You know, there's federal reporting requirements, mm. um, you know, that it, it's tough to keep track of that on, on, on spreadsheets, you know, uh, especially when you have a, a lot of activity. So I could run reports and say, you know, we've, this is when we're, we've done uh, for affirmative action recruitment. This, this is what, um, this is where we're spending our monies, which is what the board wants to hear, um, you know, uh, and it, it makes it consistent, too. And across, it, there's a lot of consistency that comes with it as well. Interesting. And it makes it on the principles. Interesting. So um, fascinating, by the way. So so when you are, when you join an organization, like coming from a very corporate template, to a very sort of, um, say, this, this current role of um, managing um, sort of uh, HR requirement for a school, how is that transition like? And then what are some of the, we can say commonalities and what are some of the things that are, that are, that you have to sort of uh, learn through to get, get attuned to this new template? Sure. So the, the biggest thing is for me is everything that ever gets accomplished in HR gets done through relationships. Hmm. So if you don't have relationships with the principals or the CEOs or, or the teachers, then nothing's going to get accomplished. Mm. Um, so that's very similar. HR is, you know, I've always looked at HR. HR is HR. It doesn't matter if you're in manufacturing, mm. aviation, or education. Uh, what's a little different for us is each one of our schools is a different company. So we're kind of the education management company. Mm. So um, I cannot mandate anything. I have to get buy-in from each of the schools. And I've you know, I've not had a problem getting buy into whatever we're doing because I, you know, I've managed 
everything based on relationships. So if you have the right relationship, you can get anything you can get anything done. And you involve the folks in the beginning. I always like to say if you can involve somebody with the crash landing, involve them with the takeoff, and it works out mm. a lot better. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, good. Yeah. So um, let's talk about. Um, so what are so how does the hr like hr information system for a school organization look like so if you can walk us through what's like what are what are walk us about that about the what the applicant tracking system looks like yeah so we um we post all our positions on on our website and uh indeed and also the local colleges and then somebody will click on the link. It'll take them right to our website. They'll apply for a position, sometimes at multiple schools. Um, then we will make sure they have all their clearances because it's, um, you know, one of the differences between corporate and education is about 18 different clearances you need, you know, TB tests, FBR clearance, mm -hmm. child abuse clearance. So we make sure that we have all of those that are uploaded into the system as opposed to, again, it used to be done via email and it's very easy to miss something or not having not have something updated. So right now there's one repository for everything, whereas it was kind of all over the place prior to, uh, you know, the, the team here getting going on, on what we were doing. Interesting. And I think you raised a very interesting point um, that a school system is pretty regulated on, on what they can deliver. They are very regulated on the talent. The specificity of what a quali what who what is a qualified candidate to teach someone something, and vis a vis when it comes to corporate, they're very sort of very flexible, very open. Not sort of depends on which definitely depends on which industry we're talking about. So, how difficult or challenging it is um, for for you to get the appropriate talent or the required talent or or get a system that 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 sort of keeps great talent coming in and to the organization so the, the system the system is easy it's getting the talent um it's so we're very competitive with our salary um you know we we just recently launched a, a teacher referral program mm. and the reason we pay for certain positions up to 750 dollars and the reason for that is we have 564 employees my goal was to create 564 recruiters mm. and you know, once we present a couple of checks to people, and um, that will take on a life of its own as well. Mm. So, and, and some of, you know, and we're, we're small enough, we're, we're, we're able to do some really cool things that the school district can't do. For example, we have, we're, we're a partner with Temple University and their residents. Mm. So we're able to load these 13 math and science teachers onto one of our buses and take them to each of the schools and give them a tour. Whereas some of the larger schools, they hire them and say, you're going to end up at the school you want to, uh, wherever we put you. We're able to say, what school would you like best? And that's mm -hmm. where we're going to place you. It's kind of, we're, we're in a, kind of a unique spot. We're big enough, but we're small enough where we could do some things that some of our competition cannot do. Interesting, interesting. So now let's get on um, sort of your vantage point on the industry as such, uh, the, the HR, HR industry. So um, from from your your sort of comparative roadmap when it comes to sort of being a, on a corporate side vis a vis being on this uh, this uh, academia side, what are some of the challenges that you see uh, or common challenges that you see uh, when it comes to getting the workforce and keeping them excited um, in their roles? Like what are some of the things that 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 you can share? We'll resume after a short break. 
This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. So one of the things that we're starting to do and we started to do here is um, in, in, in the corporate side, you know, there was kind of, it, it's performance-based pay. Mm. In the education side, it's really across-the-board pay. And, you know, that's a challenge in a lot of ways. Um, we were in the process of changing that. We've changed it at the APS office, our mm. central office, gone from to performance-based pay because not going to keep rock stars at, at 3%, you know. And it's also how create, you know, what else could we do? So we recently just launched a tuition reimbursement program, you know, which people are, were really excited about. Um, you know, we do employee engagement surveys. Um, the other big thing is growing our own talent. So we've been working really hard to for, formulate uh, partnerships with universities. So we're bringing folks in as student teachers and field placements. So by the time they graduate, they know us, we know them, and they want to come and work at an APS school as opposed to working somewhere else. So that's kind of this long-term plan is we want to grow our own teachers. Okay. So what you're suggesting is that so the, the culture is very important, right? So the culture, the very culture of, I think you put it really well initially at the initial part of the conversation that you have 540 recruiters uh, recruiting for the future talent, right? So uh, how do you create that culture? Like how do you, what are some of the things that, uh, that you induce in your current workforce that they became the best recruiter for your organization? Being very visible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and doing what you say you're going to do. Somebody told me that a long time ago. So if I promise somebody that I'm going to get back to them with an answer on Tuesday at noon, and even if I don't have the answer Tuesday at noon, I'm going to call them and say, hey, listen, I know I said I'd have an answer today, but I don't. I will have an answer for you tomorrow. So those are the types of things that people, that it builds goodwill, it builds culture. Mm. Um, if somebody has, you know, if somebody has a problem with benefits, you know, I, I take, I have people tell me I'm crazy because I have my cell phone number on my business cards and I, I take <laughs> calls on the weekend. So um, if somebody's having a problem at a, you know, at a doctor's, at a hospital, that's something that we do um, and my team does on a regular basis because that's what builds the culture and the goodwill. Hey, I had a problem at the doctor's office and you know what? I called Kramer on Saturday at 2 o'clock. He called me right back and he helped me get it worked out. No, I don't do it for that reason. I do it because it's the right thing to do. But it also helps build the credibility of the HR department, and people are like, wow, that's a place I really want to work. Interesting, and I think one thing that uh, that I noticed about your background, and um, and I definitely wanted to ask you about that was, so you 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 came from the call center industry. I think that I saw that as uh, in, in your previous work as well. And call centers are notorious, in, in, in a in a in a good way, to monitor data to monitor sort of the aspect of every element of data and figuring out all the efficiency element and exploiting that to the, to its maximum core. How is that you think um, from your vantage point um, when it comes to the future of uh, or how we are heading to the future, how important is data uh, and how important is sort of storytelling with data that, that, that you see from that? So I'm a big fan of, of data and I think it's very important because if you look at um, you know, looking at the tenure at each school, that tells a story. If the average tenure at one school is eight years and the average tenure at another school is six months, we know we have a problem. And it's painting the picture, okay, 
what do we do to take this six months, 10 year and get it to a year or two years or three years? And how do we grow that? Um, the same thing with, uh, you know, the number of offer, offers versus the number of acceptances. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know I, I always like to see 100%, but if we're getting 50% acceptance, if we're making 50 offers and only 25 people are accepting, there's a problem. There's a problem with the, you know, we're not being competitive with, with salary, we're not being competitive with benefits, so what do we do to change that? So that's all the thing that that's what we're looking at on a regular basis and getting back and saying, hey, this is some of the things that we need to do. Um, even exit interviews, we we, mm-hmm. we have data on why people are leaving. One of the reasons we did the tuition reimbursement program, um, I think about 15 or 16 percent of the people who left said they were leaving because we did not have a tuition reimbursement program. So. Uh, um, that's something that we, you know, we, we drew up and we presented to the boards and they approved it and something we rolled out and the response was tremendous. But if we weren't looking at that exit interview data, we would have never known that that was a concern and, you know, it was always on the list. But based on the data that we had from the exit interview, we, we kind of pushed it up and said, we're going to make this happen. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it was a tremendous hit when, from when it was announced. Interesting. And so if, if you're an executive joining a firm that's not data driven and you have a and sort of you have a very inclination towards being a data driven organization, what are from the HR point of view, how how do you start that conversation? How do you start from at least that even the tactical steps that you would do to make yourself a data driven HR organization within an within organization? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Very simply, and when I say when I say simply, you know there are 32 different HR metrics you could use, but what metrics are going to mean something? So I like to do things in phases. So. We started with our HR dashboard, which is very simple thing. Average teacher salary, turnover, um, and, and tenure, and offer an acceptance ratio. Those are four really easy things we could show in graph. And if people are like, okay, this makes sense. Wow, okay, I, I, I get this. What else could you share with me? And then all the, okay, so then we start adding things. We start adding things to that. So it's, it's um, we do it in phases, um, and it's a lot of face-to-face. Uh, you know, all of our schools are within eight mile radius and, you know, it's sitting down with, with the, with the principals and the hiring managers and not having phone calls, um, and, and let, and making, making them also very visual. So they kind of see, you know, they kind of see what's going on. They see what's happening because if you make it visual and you make it easy for, easy for them to understand, then, you know, it helps. Now, I'm fortunate with the fact is, they're familiar with data from another standpoint as far as student test scores and um, things along those lines. So a lot of these folks here get it actually more than folks in the corporate side because they're so we, – um, we, have, we have a data team here, um, not for HR so much. They do help us, but they're, so much, they're more for like analyzing test scores and everything else. So our folks understood the importance of data, but they never thought of it from an HR standpoint. It took us, you know, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to tell you, it, it was a, it was a two year journey. Um, but we're finally in a really good place where people kind of like, wow, this is great stuff. You know, let, please keep it coming. Interesting. So how do you come up with, so 
the key the key kpi kpis that that you need to you need to focus on what are, what has been the journey so if suppose i'm uh, i'm an hr executive getting into an organization which is not very familiar with data and sort of silos and sort of uh, data driven decision making whatever how would i look at how would i get to my kpi that what do you think would be my journey should be so so i you know so i i would sit down and say and say listen you know um last year we had you know we had 15 openings in special education mm. why did 15 openings wow well, god you know i really don't know well let, let me tell you how i think i could help you you know if we start analyzing turnover voluntary involuntary and we do exit interviews then i think we'll be able to tell a story and maybe you know come up with brainstorming solutions for this so it, it's getting folks to buy into the process before it starts um, and explain to them how it helps them and as long as they understand that it's a benefit to them they're going to be very supportive and they're going to want to keep hearing this data interesting and 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 um how do you think that um, from your vantage from your vantage point your experience that hr had been faring when it comes to sort of adopting to this new age of data driven decision making what's 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 your perspective so you know that that's a really great question and you know i i it depends on the hr person hmm. because there's a lot of people um that i know that don't like to go anywhere near hr data and then, you know, there's some folks who do. So, um, again, I'm a fan of it because of, you know, my background, where I came from. I have a lot of people that stay away from it. Um, so it really depends on the organization. Um, I don't think HR as a whole, in my opinion, does a very good job with it um, in the industry. And I think for HR to really have a seat at the table, they need to really um, buy into HR dashboards, buy into data, so fortunately here, what's been, you know, our CEO, um, I go to board meetings, I have a seat at the table. Um, and one of the reasons is because I, you know, I, I, I add value and I had, we, you know, the team adds value by saying, this is our turnover rate. This is how we think we could do better. This is, you know, we spent, this is our cost for hire. This is our time to fill. So, I mean, you know, I, I, we had a board, uh, board retreat a few months ago and I, the board members I've kind of lived up because they, they hadn't seen this stuff before. This is all new to them. They're like, "Wow, this is this is great." You know, and, you know, where do we go from here? So it kind of gets if you present it the right way, people kind of get excited about. It. Interesting. I think so. You raise a very interesting point, and and I think uh, if I recall my some of my previous conversations, um, so I talked to a lot of CEOs about one of their strategic outlook on data side because uh, I I'm, I'm from a data end. And I hear a lot about their openness for ideas, their openness for, hey, the more I can use data in my organization, the greater it is. I, I, like I, my, my board of directors are, are hitting me hard to be very predictable, uh, like so having a significantly massive predictable outcome. That's, that's my, that I'm doing my job uh, accurately. And when I talk to the HR folks, it's, I think their willingness is, hey, you know, maybe my my boss is not buying or something so and then and, and i think one thing i i definitely understand that hr represents hr is there to maintain and preserve the culture right to appreciate the culture and then bring this new technology in it so they have this sort of double-edged sword in which if they if they jump too quickly to to, to sort of newness 
then they leave the culture behind. If they stick to the culture too much, then leave the technology. How you as an executive maintain that balance and how do you see maybe others uh, maintaining it, if at all? So you have to have, um, again, I, I, get, I keep getting back to, it, it, it's about the relationships mm. and you have to be able to manage both. And it's, um, you know, it's, and it's having a good team. Um, you know, uh, I, have, I said, I have three people in HR. One of the folks has worked with me, you know, for five years at, you know, other locations. And if I'm working on data, you know, the rest of the team might be working on, you know, doing onboarding or employee relations. So it's not a case where we can let one thing drop to focus on the other, because if we do, then it, we're not, the data's gonna, it's not gonna be a good thing. So you gotta be able to, one of the key things to be successful in HR is to be able to multitask. You know, we gotta do the, you gotta do the board reports and the data dashboards and, and manage employee engagement, right? You know, just right, just right before I, I called into you, I might've been a minute late because I had, a, I had an employee at one school that couldn't find his dental card. So I, I um, you know, I, mean, I, I had our broker print him out a, a temporary card and I sent it to him. Could, could, could that have waited until after this call? It absolutely could have. Hmm. But you know what? I was having a toothache, needed to go hmm. to the dentist, keep him waiting. It's that kind of um, responsiveness to me is one of the most important things. Um, and, you know, again, it buys you a lot of goodwill. You know, hey, you know, I sent, you know, I sent an email at 12.05. I needed my demo card. And by 12.10, I had it. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, regarding your industry, the current industry, the educational industry right now. So I, I, I remember like uh, my daughter goes to a local school here and she has her friends going to a local schools um, in their respective cities. And whenever sort of I talk to them, hey, what tools you are using? Almost everyone usher out a different tool that they use to maintain their scores, try their maths, try their science and what and what not. Now, as an as a sort of uh, talents provider or as, as sort of as a as an executive who maintain uh, that these guys have um, sort of adequate teacher uh, support and all that how do you sort of uh, consolidate the two the the this technological sort of landscape where there are a lot of almost every school is diff- using a different kind of app so as to speak, to, to educate their kids. And now the teachers are supporting that. And then when you move teacher around, they have the different ecosystem altogether. What are some of the challenges that, that you see, think and how can we ever sort of um, consolidate this all uh, into sort of more standardized way in which my kid and her, and her friends maybe um, use similar apps so we can say they can share the experiences together? So, you know, I, I don't get, we know enough on the HR piece of what to screen for as far as the data use. So like here, we're, we're, we're big on Google and Google products and Google Sheets, and we have one-to-one Chromebooks. So, you know, one of our questions to the teachers, you know, is, is always, hey, you know, we have smart boards, and how would you incorporate that into your lesson plan? Hmm. Right? And if what we've seen, then they go to the school, they meet with the principals, and they do a demo lesson, and they actually have to use those tools um so they get to see them in action so we're screening for that on our end and then you know we pass them along and our schools are really consistent on the technology that we use interesting so 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 do you do you think that um the schools would would be would have a regulation like 
sort of regulated regulated landscape when it comes to app or the experience that the kids use to learn or what do you think yeah well again not not my area of expertise but our i know our chief we have a chief academic officer here who um who kind of manages that with the schools and and it's not a one-size-fits-all you know it's based on the you know the student population but you know um we try and be very consistent less less there might be a math program that works at one school that doesn't work at another school um and that's something we you know he talks to the teachers about talks to the coaches about so it's we, we try and stay as consistent as possible um but you know knowing that each of our schools has its own culture both with employees and with students and we, we manage that accordingly interesting and and um from your experiences as an hr executives like so what have you seen um, over the last couple of decades? How has HR changed? Or what are some of the things that, that you have seen transformed? So I, I have not received a resume in the mail in about 15 years, right? When I first started this, yeah. there was no email, right? That's, I'm dating myself, but you know, I would get resume, you know, you, you would get resumes and cover letters via mail. I have not, honestly, I could probably, I have not received a resume via mail probably maybe 15 years. You know, it, it just, it, it's gone away. It, it, it just doesn't happen anymore. And it, one of the things that, one of the things that was very important to me is I hate applicant tracking systems where you need to spend mm -hmm. two and a half hours application. To me, that's just ridiculous. So we, we made sure, we tailored our applicant tracking system where you spend 10 minutes, that's it. You know, you upload your resume, answer a few questions, upload your clearances, and you're done. And then, because um, what we don't want to have is we don't want to scare people away. We don't want to make the process overly complicated. Because, you know, I, people have short attention spans these days. So, um, you know, I, in talking to some people, I've actually had people tell me that if they have to spend more than 20 minutes or 25 minutes of filling out an application online, they're not even going to bother with that organization. So we, we, we try and make that streamlined. Um, see a lot of um, self-service these days. I'm not, I haven't moved there yet, a little bit old school, where um, my wife works for a large nonprofit, and her benefits are all done online. She sits mm -hmm. by the, on the computer and everything out online. Yeah, you know, should we probably get there one day? Yes, but I'm of the mindset, I want to stand in front of people, and I want to talk about the benefits, and I want to, I want to answer questions as opposed to um, doing self-service. So I, 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 in my mind, I have to figure out a way how to do, kind of do both, merge them both together. Being visible, having that personal touch, but also having it automated as well. Interesting. And, and how is, um, I think, some of the creative ways or some of the, some of the interesting stories that, that you have seen that you could share, that data has helped you create uh, in your journey, or HR data has helped you create, for, for folks who are listening and saying if really HR data is really a, it's a gimmick or it's a real thing. Sure. So um, just, just, you know, the one example I gave is, um, you know, uh, look, looking at data and seeing that, you know, we were, we, we were losing good teachers because we didn't have a tuition reimbursement program and they wanted to go back to school. And I forgot the exact percentage, but we had a percentage and we went, we used that data to go, go to the CEO and the board and say, hey, listen, We've lost 13 teachers last year because they left. One of the primary reasons they left was because they wanted to go somewhere and have a tuition reimbursement program. So that would, 
that, that's a sell right there. Because just to say, hey, we want a tuition reimbursement program because it'll make people feel good, if you don't have the data to sell that, it, it's, you know, the people aren't going to buy, well, why are we going to spend money? Nobody's asking for it. Mm -hmm. right? You know what? They did ask for it. It was the data that we got from the exit interviews that made us say, we need, we need, to, we need to do this. Interesting. So I think one thing that I was I was thinking about when you're talking about ATS and you have 10 minutes to get to the answer, you don't want to spend too much time. I think one of the conversations that I remember myself uh, finding into was um, this anxiety of, hey, uh, HR is a, has been a cost center of the company. People don't want to invest too much. To, like they just gave me a petty cash and they asked me hey deliver on something and they won't deliver like they want skies and and, and skies and stars uh for for the price of pretty much not even a, a bus ticket so from that that sort of very extremely frugal thin sort of uh, concepts uh, what's your take on that like how would um uh, hr try to sell this idea of hey uh, maybe I sh I should invest in a good ATS system because at, at the, down the road uh, it will pay for itself if we do it right. So uh, that's that's a great question, and you know we got the CEOs together and we told them that we're losing candidates. Um, we're, our, you know we're spending money spending money unnecessarily, and at the end of the day, and we had a whole presentation laid out that once this is up and running. We'll have a higher acceptance rate of candidates of offers made. We'll be able to track this information. Because if you said now, hey, Scott, where are our candidates coming from? But mm. prior to the tracking system, no clue. I wasn't, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Now I can tell you what university uh, is sending us the most applicants, um, what website, uh, online website is sending us the most applicants. So this is stuff, wow, okay, so this is, so now instead of wasting money on a, on a website that provides us absolutely nothing, we know how to spend our money where it has the biggest bang for the buck. And that's how we sold it to everybody. And we brought in five different companies, um, and we had them do presentations, and we picked, you know, um, we didn't base it solely on price, but we picked, we picked one that, very reasonable price, um, mm. that covered everything that we were looking for. Interesting. And I think, um, and you also talked about sort of, you are, you are a strong believer of data. You're a strong believer that the, we should, have, you should have a more idea of what's going on uh, from the element of data. And when you, when you sort of meet the team that are not attuned to the same sort of aspiration as, as you do, what are some of, some of your life hacks uh, in convincing them um, to get to this new way of thinking? So again, I get back to, you know, um, we have four CEOs, really five CEOs, and some of them bought into this immediately. Some of them, it took me a few weeks and it took me a few visits and it took me a few lunches to show them why. So once, you know, if you, if you believe in something strongly enough mm. and, and you have those conversations and you, you build up the trust and you show them visually how this can help, um, you, get people to buy, you get people to buy into it. I had um, one, one person, one of our leaders who didn't buy in and everybody else did and said, you know what, I'm not sure I buy in, everybody else does, so I, I don't want to stand in the way, and now he's one of the biggest fans. So I'm also, a, you know, one thing, I have something I like to call a thirds theory. Everybody mm. doesn't agree with what you're going to do. Mm. But if you get one third who believes strongly, you have them to convince a third that they're maybe eh, kind of shaky, then you get two thirds then all of a sudden everybody falls in the line. So, you know, if you have the people who are really big supporters, 
hey, could you do me a favor and talk to so-and-so because they're kind of on the edge and tell them why you think this is a great idea. Um, so it's using, you know, folks that are within your sphere of influence and people who support it to help convince their colleagues. Because sometimes, um, you know, another PhD in education is going to listen to another PhD in education more than they're going to listen to a, a business guy. Mm. So it, it's, it's there's a, again, it, it all gets back to, you know, how do we best utilize our relationships to get done with best for the organization. Interesting. And I think, and one thing that uh, that you said that that caught my attention was so you said that um, show them the value, and then and hopefully they they'll they'll get convinced, right? So one thing that that I I heard a lot about um, for folks who have a, a difficulty or challenge in that, so it's it's, it's a double-edged sword again. So on um, on one side they don't they don't let me do it, on and on the other side they want me to do it to show them, and then probably they'll get convinced if at all. So how would if I'm in, in that dichotomy, how would I how would I save myself, or how would I sort of I try to sell this thing? It, it's it, so you know any so I look at HR as um, you know we have internal customers, so it's kind of like I'm selling. Um, I'm kind of I, to some degree I have to be a salesman. Yeah, I have to go out and sell the product. That's a good point, and that's very important. So it's. You know, and, and that doesn't happen overnight, right? You know, you don't get the trust and you don't get the credibility overnight. It's something that's earned. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, um, you know, I might send, you know, my, my colleague to uh, to meet with a CEO because, you know, she might have a better relationship in, in a certain area and do a better job selling something than I would. And sometimes it's both of us. So each situation is a little different. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's it's about, Showing the value, it's about, and it's about the, and if you have that relationship, um, you know, sometimes it's, again, one meeting, sometimes it's two meetings, but let me show you how this is going to help you. And then, you know, then say, see, you know, I, yeah, God, you were right. This really does help. And, mm. and, and that's kind of been my philosophy and it, it's worked for me. Interesting. And now let's let's spend some more time. Uh, let's spend some time on the startups. I think that's that's very near and dear to at least personally my heart. That um, sure. a lot of businesses um, struggle to get um, install great culture, install sort of a scalable uh, team, uh, stay scalable recruiting mechanisms. So they're looking for an executive. If I'm a, if I I'm an HR executive looking to get into a very startup culture, right? So what are some of the advice or suggestions that you would Give me uh, that I should I should keep a focus on. You know, it's I I, it's, I was talking to somebody the other day about this, and you know, somebody was they're they're having an interview, and um, I I I'm really impressed. Believe it or when somebody comes in and they sit down and they they've read my LinkedIn profile and they make it. Hey, you know, I, I see you taught at Rowan for eight years. My mother went to Rowan. And all of a sudden, we're having a conversation about Rowan, I, and I know exactly what's going on there. So that when I tell people, if you're gonna, if you if you're meeting with a panel of four people, right? Mm. You know, you're meeting. Go on LinkedIn. Find out what you have in common with them, right? Um, find out what find out what you can make a personal connection. Because to me, that that's something that's, you know, I'm a big believer in hiring for fit um, and skill second, and that philosophy has worked. And, and if you can make that, if you can make that personal connection. You have a much better chance of getting the job if, if you have ten people with an equal skill set, but you make a personal connection. You have a much better chance of getting that, getting the job with the organization. 
Interesting. And then how I would design uh, the HR organization within that startup. What are some of the things that you would advise that um, if I want to future proof my organization, uh, what are some of the things I could do as, a, as, as an executive there, uh, as an HR executive there? Take care of, take care of your employees. I, I can't say that enough. Um, people don't leave, and I'm a big believer, people don't leave organizations, they, they leave bosses. Mm. So if you're employees and you're meeting their needs um, and, you know, and, and you're working with them, people aren't going to want to leave, even for more money, because they know that, hey, you know, I'm getting taken care of. Um, and, and also, I'm a big, you know, being blunt. So, you know, I, if I have somebody come in and ask me a question, a lot of times I'll say, listen, you want me to give you the politically correct answer or you want me to be blunt and to the point? And when people say, I prefer you to be blunt and to the point, you say, great. And you deliver the message that way. People appreciate that as opposed to, you know, having the 45-minute politically correct conversation as opposed to, be, you know, having that five-minute blunt and direct conversation. So giving direct, honest feedback, um, being blunt about it, um, you know, and getting people to buy, in, buy into what you're doing. I mean, you have to have the people on your team buy into what you're doing. This we, we went through some changes here, and for a while I managed the data team, I, only because I was the best of the worst choices until we filled some spots to manage them. Um, they're both those guys way smarter than me, but I was able to help them navigate, right? Mm. Because um, new, new to the education industry, but I was able to help them navigate through some of the relationships with some of the CEOs and help them get things done where beforehand they were having some problems with that. So um, it, it, it's, again, so I get back to, it doesn't matter if it's data, it doesn't matter if it's HR, it doesn't matter if it's finance, everything gets done with buy-in, relationships, trust, and credibility. Interesting. And and um, when it when it comes to, say, future of, of HR, like where do you see, what, what would your prophecy be? Like where it's heading to, and what do you think we would see maybe in 10, 15 years happening to HR? I don't, so to, to some degree, I don't, I don't like the way it's headed, where, where some of the things are heading. And uh, just, just an example earlier, I mean, you know, my wife works for a large nonprofit and she's, she's been there 10 years and she's never seen one of their HR people before. Mm. Never. I, I don't like that. Um, so every organization I, I've worked at, you know, personally, I mean, Apple Leisure Group, 15,000 employees. I, I was in every site. Um, because that's what I believe in. I, I think there's going to be less and less of that. Um, and I think it's going to be more self-service and, um, you know, let, and, I, and I think if that happens, I think HR will, I think we'll lose the culture. Uh, companies in general will, will lose the culture if HR is not visible. Um, mm. We're having our bill updated uh, in the next few weeks. And one of the reasons I'm glad we're having that done is that it's going to force us to be out in the schools and be visible. Right? And I think, you know, um, there's certain HR people that are moving away from that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, I know people that place calls. I get calls from people I used to work with saying, he's got a called HR a week ago. They still haven't gotten back to me. You have any feedback on this or, or what do you think the answer is? That's not okay. You know, um, if HR stops being responsive, they have no business being um, in the HR department. That to me is really important. That's what, you know. I hold myself and, and, and my folks very, uh, very accountable to that. That's one of the most important things to me is being responsible. 
Interesting. I think so. Uh, you raised a very, uh, very interesting point. So I think recently, I a uh, couple of months back, I gave a presentation to a bunch of executives um, on on HR, and I was talking about the HR 4.0 concept. So I was I was talking about the hey, HR 1.0 was that guy that I can relate to, that the guy I can I can really trust, that he represents me in in in, in, a, in a corporate conversation. Then came this idea of dashboards and, and screens and what and what not. And that guy now suddenly probably I can see maybe now 10 guys dealing with 100,000 people. But now even that guy is even uh, with 3.0, even that conversation is gone. Uh, maybe it's a chat window now. I can just click some things. Uh, so there is no human element in it. And then right now with the advent of AI, maybe, and then I, I, I definitely want your perspective on it, that I want that that 1.0 guy back because when I'm working in a, in a company, I want my representation. I want HR to be representing me and not the company, then the whole thing gets haywire. What's your thought on that? I, I, I agree. And, you know, it's a shame. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a, a true story that, that just happened. And it, it hurts me when this happens. Um, I was in for a meeting with a CEO on, on a Friday and there was somebody in the, and he happened to meet with somebody in the office. And when I walked in, her face just dropped. She's like, oh my God, what are you doing here? I'm like, it's okay. We're not here to meet about you because she honestly, because it was 4:30 on a Friday, and I showed up there. She was in the office, and she thought, "Uh-oh, I'm in trouble." So we worked very hard to try and not have. So, um, but unfortunately, you know, 90% of our time is um, spent dealing with 10% of the employees uh, instead of the other way around. And and we got to find a way to change that. Right? We got to find a way to be spending just as much time with the stellar employees that we do with the poor, with the, the, the employees that we need to coach or put on performance improvement plans. Because if we don't, it's, it's you know, it's not going to be helpful. Because um, people have that kind of, then they have the fear of, you know, that's what I like to sit in on promotions too, just so mm -hmm. people just associate HR as the people who are only show up when somebody's being put on a performance mm -hmm. improvement plan. So sitting in on the positive stuff is really important to me as well. And being part of the positive stuff is very important. Interesting. So uh, from your vantage point, so do you see the technology giving you that time that you can now spend probably with employees? And I think you spend, I, I, I couldn't appreciate you enough that you're spending a lot of time explaining the how important relationship is. Maybe the future of HR is relationship, not data. But, but yes, I think, so do you think that technology is giving you the time that you need to spend and work with the with the candidates. Yes, not as much as, as I'd like, but it's getting more. I mean, you know, and, and we're kind of, um, you know, we we've gone from having nobody in HR there uh, two years ago to having three people in HR, um, and I still think we're pretty lean. And if we grow, I think we need to add some more people into into HR, um, so we can have because that time. You can't put a price on being visible and being responsive and employees seeing you with events and, and you can't you can't put a price tag on that. Interesting. And I, I also want your perspective on so interesting thing happened to me personally that uh, that raised my sort of uh, interest about uh, role of HR in in my employment or my employability. So if I lose my job in a, working in a company and I am deemed obsolete by a peer company. 
should the company that I was working with owns a responsibility that I stay employable even beyond that company? So what 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 do you think uh, is HR vantage point that or your as an executive vantage point is that should I be should the HR be responsible for that that hey my candidates should always be employable also they they're contributing today? Yes, I, I absolutely believe it's uh, HR should make sure that our folks are relevant um, either here or somebody or somewhere else. Of course, we want them to stay here, but I think it is HR's responsibility to make sure folks are relevant in their field and they don't become obsolete. Um, and that's something that, you know, we, we, try, we, we send that message out and I think folks here are very, very open to that. And part of it, you know, again, recent, more, most recently was a tuition reimbursement program or, you know, making sure there's money in the mm. budget for development. Um, and, and so people are learning, you know, what's what's the next best thing and, and, and how could they maintain, how could they maintain that and, and be relevant? Interesting. No, I think so. You have a very interesting point about uh, tuition reimbursement plans, right? So I was talking to one of the local um, HR executive here in Boston, uh, executive, and, and he was talking to me how they have, lot of funds being unused because yeah. employees don't have idea that they can it's still a hassle we don't and and many times i think um and this is a challenge that i have seen uh from from at least the employee and even i have my company as employees that i i try to they don't know what to pick i say hey you have x budget go on a spending spree train yourself get the best thing but they're not the best judge many times right they say hey right. no i think I love my work. I love working here. I love whatever you'd ask me to do or your team asked me to do. But when I go out, um, I don't know what, maybe I'll just do whatever I'm doing and taking a training outside that probably won't help. And then H, I don't, and, and I'm guilty that I don't have budget for HR to research that what these employees should learn. So they, they because even for my company, I need these guys to be at the top of their game. Um, because if they are restricted, that means my company is restricted uh, from, from many of that aspect. So what do you think that how HR should console this or, or how HR should deal with this with this element of, um, I think tuition reimbursement actually getting used uh, for tuition reimbursements? We were just talking about that very thing. And one of the things we're starting here next summer is the Leadership Institute. Um, uh, we're gonna have professional mm -hmm. development for principals and assistant principals. And we said to the CEOs, Go back to your principles, go back to your system principles, and what get some topics from them that they want to become proficient in. And then we have, you know, then we're going to share what topics we think they, they need to understand to be proficient. And together, you know, with everybody at the table, let's come up with a, a leadership development program that works, that gets everybody excited and adds value, one, to the individual, and, but two, but again, also to the organization. So recently, um, maybe three or four months ago, uh, we identified project management as a need. So you know, we brought some professionals in from Temple and we ran all our leadership through a project management certification course because we thought it was a need. Now that's something everybody could put on their resume and it's just a skill that you take with you. And a lot of people never really, you know, especially in the education side, didn't understand project management. So we, we, we said, well, how, what do you guys think about this? Is this something you'd be willing to us a half day weekend you know for six weeks and they're all yeah this would be mm. great so that's the type of things that we try and do to make sure people are um 
we're adding value and, and they're saying, and they're and they're saying, wow, they, you know, APS cares about us because they're, they're getting us trained in this. Interesting. In Interesting, and and to you from your perspective, what is um and what is the ingredient for an HR executive? Like, what are some of the, what is the ingredient for a successful HR executive that the world needs today? Like, if you can if you can imagine that mythical creature. Sure, um, being able to empathize and relate to others, mm. um, able to maintain that level of confidentiality when necessary, but also, um, you know. Being an advocate for the employee, as well as you know, making sure you're, you're looking out for the interests of the company as well. So there's a lot of moving. Interesting, interesting. And and we are almost at the tail end of the conversation. And and Scott, thank you so much for walking us through some some of the very interesting and critical topic uh, for facing HR today. Um, so let's talk about your journey. Like if if we spend a bit about in in your journey so far, what has been some of the ingredients that has helped you stay successful, what would you, what would you say? So, um, you know, I get back to a few things I mentioned earlier is, you know, doing what I'm doing, what I say I'm going to do, um, being, being responsive, um, caring about people. Um, you know, when I say to me, it's not going above and beyond, but, you know, when, when I tell this to people, you know, if you have an issue, I, I had a teacher almost in a panic three weeks ago because wife got in a bad car accident and he called me at eight o'clock at night and he kept apologizing for calling me. I said, stop apologizing mm. because if I, if I didn't want you to use my cell phone number, I wouldn't have given it to you. So now let's take a step back, take a deep breath. Let's talk about how I could help you help your wife. It's those are the types of things that are really important. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story that kind of sums this all up. Years ago, um, I, I ran HR for uh, uh, Electrolux. Uh, it was a 3,500-person plant. Um, it was at, it was in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and we had one of our employees' son sons got hurt in a hunting accident. So I went to the hospital. Um, I brought them, you know, I brought a few things, and you know, the, the young man was okay. Um, I didn't see the one again. 3,500 employees had 15 people in HR. Uh, about a month, I, I hadn't seen or thought about it. After it was okay, I didn't see her, mm. see her think about that woman for probably two months. I'm in CVS with my wife. Some woman comes up, wraps her arms around me and goes, I'll never forget what you did. Now I'm trying to think of my wife standing next to me. I'm trying to think of, okay, who is this woman and what did I do that she's never going to forget? <laughs> you visiting my son meant the world to me. Mm. And those are the types of things that HR has to keep doing. Mm. Um, People appreciate that, and it, it builds the it builds the credibility of the department, and it shows folks that you actually care, and that's what's really important. I think beautiful story, and Scott, thank you so much. And I wish um, HR could, uh, and I think when you say having empathy. I, this is actually a, a good testament on what it looks like. So I think beautifully said. So one thing I, we request all of our um, uh, guests to share uh, about is their favorite read, any book that they associate with when it comes to, do you have any read that you want to share uh, with our listeners and viewers? So I, I, um, I, I read as many books on Deming as I can and Deming's 10 points. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I, they, you know, even though it was written in the fifties, it's still very relevant today. Mm, yeah. Right, that's true. I actually have them posted. You know, I have this. You know, I have some of the slogans and points posted in my office. 
Um, so I, I, I have read um, a Theory Z is also another really good book that I've read over and over again. Um, to me, these books kept getting, they keep getting rewritten. Deming's, Deming's mm. message kept getting rewritten, but in different words by different authors. Mm. So the message doesn't change. Um, but it's, you know, to me, you know, when th that is kind of been kind of my, my, my Bible, something that I, I use. Well, I don't agree with everything. Mm. Um, I with most of what, what he has to say, and that's been very helpful for me. Interesting. And last question uh, before before we uh, we part ways, I definitely want your closing remark for our listeners and viewers who are listening and who wants to understand the fabric of the the leader of the future for HR. What would you suggest? What would they take away from this conversation that we had today? Um, be accessible. Be responsive. Be empathetic. And do what you say you're going to do are, are, are the key are the key ingredients to being successful in HR. Um, if you don't do those things and you don't build relationships, um, then you're not you, you you're never going to earn the trust of the people, and you're just going to be uh, quote unquote the corporate HR guy. <laughs> Interesting. Um, With that, uh, thank you so much, Scott. Uh, I, I I couldn't appreciate enough um, uh, your wisdom and your time that you spend and sharing with our community and uh, definitely really, really useful. You're always welcome on the part back on the podcast to share your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable. Don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once. That's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down. I hope I'm not up on a certain